Thanks, Peter. Hello, I don't know if you've ever read a self-improvement book that's changed your life, maybe, but I know I have. Back in the day, authors such as Tony Robbins, Deepak Chopra, Dr. Phil, and a host of others conclusively proved that positive thinking could earn you millions at the cash registers. Uh, bestsellers, do you remember those? Such as The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, highly effectively sold, 25 million copies. And do you remember the Celestine prophecy, The Secret? Men are from Mars, women are from Venus, and uh, The Road Less Travelled. They all sold gazillions of books. And today the market for self-improvement products is worth about... $10 billion. But not all of that is spent on books. In fact, my suspicion is that virtual workshops and seminars may be a very tough competition for the publishing market in the years ahead. Well, today's show focuses on self-improvement titles. And who knows, in the next 60 minutes, you and I may discover the next Susie Orman or Robert Kiyosaki. And on our panel this week, a very wonderful... Tiffany Yates Martin. And please Hello. welcome back the polymathically talented John Duffy. Hello. So, five authors with five submissions, two preternaturally talented special guests, one acutely adroit genius room. Countdown completed. Let the show begin. And here we go, first submission of the day, psychology slash self-help. It's from Randolph. I hope you're with us at the moment. Randolph, if you are, give us a wave in the YouTube chat room. Oh, and there's a QR code there too, so if you're keen to visit Randolph's website, just scan that and you can go straight to it. And this is Randolph's title, Gay Guide for Aging Heroes, colon, a 30-day voyage from ordinary to epic. Oh, yes, I like that. And this is... Randolph's blurb in a world <laughs> I can't really say that without thinking Don LaFontaine in a world where half of the population is over 40 many are floundering and most are awash in misinformation we wrestle with physical and mental health problems the empty nest moving towards retirement relationship issues and we struggle to find purpose and meaning Guide for Aging Heroes provides well-researched life strategies and techniques for self-exploration that will resonate with readers and move them towards joy, wonder, and adventure in the second half of life. That sounds good. Let me tell you about Randolph. I'm a singer, songwriter, sailor, biker, teacher, backpacker. Your talents are endless. Writer, runner, and adventure nut. Sounds like a great combination, actually. I've had articles published in Owl Biker, Southern Biker. I wonder if those are mutually exclusive. One's mind wanders sometimes. And Mindful Living magazine. Um, I've worked for over 30 years as a psychotherapist and an award-winning college educator. While I do the writing, you say Erica, my wife, co-creator, and I collaborated on every chapter. That sounds like a rich and uh, fruitful collaboration. And I do know we've got a very rich and very fruitful reading for you today from Mel.
Guide for Aging Heroes, A 30-Day Voyage from Ordinary to Epic Written by Randolph, read by Mel Introduction Twenty years from now, you will be more disappointed by things you didn't do than by the ones you did do. So throw off the bolands, sail away from the safe harbor, catch the trade winds in your sails, explore, dream, discover. H. Jackson Brown, Jr. The media's depictions of people going through the second half of life are overwhelmingly negative. We are characterized as less attractive, less bright, less able-bodied, and ultimately less relevant than our younger counterparts. Consider how often aging is associated with being slow, sickly, frail, forgetful, or needy. Such stereotypes tend to burrow into our unconscious minds and become self-fulfilling prophecies. Fortunately, with introspection and conscious effort, we can root out destructive myths and embrace the reality that growing older can be an amazing, life-affirming adventure. The difference between an aging hero and the average person can be captured in one word, courage. Heroes are defined by courage and nobility of character. Aging heroes have the mettle to rail against the confines of conventional attitudes. We embrace opportunities to create meaning in our lives and to improve the lives of others. Prisoners to the social constructs of modern culture are completely unaware that the key to freedom is always within reach. That key is the nerve to step out of assigned roles and to live authentically. In a world so often governed by fear and negativity, aging heroes gaze on the future with confidence, enthusiasm, and wonder. Aging heroes is a lifestyle. Adopted as you navigate the emotional, intellectual, social, spiritual, and physical waters of middle age and late adulthood. Your lifestyle is expressed in everything you do. Your work, habits, attitudes, choices, how you interact with others, and what you do for fun are all expressions of your lifestyle. As an aging hero, these expressions fall into a harmonious rhythm flowing from your truest, most genuine self. Fair warning, though, this voyage is not for everyone. Older does not always mean wiser. It isn't difficult to find people of all ages who are stuck in unhealthy patterns. Some live and die with their eyes closed, never recognizing the harm they caused or the wonderful opportunities they wasted. They lacked the required courage, insight, and maturity to become aging heroes. All aging heroes are committed to moving beyond the status quo. The number one regret of the dying is that they did not live lives true to themselves, but instead tried to conform to what others expected of them. Aging heroes refuse to be defined by others. We create lives marked by self-discovery, adventure, service, and personal growth. The old saying, the whole is more than the sum of its parts, is fundamental to the aging hero's credo. Think of a delicious chocolate cake. The cake is more than the eggs, flour, sugar, cocoa, and butter used to make it. With the help of the baker, the cake has emerged from these ingredients as something altogether different. You are, likewise, more than your physical body, more than your thoughts, more than your experiences, and more than your relationships. You emerge from all of these a singular and ever-transforming entity. The components that create you are dynamic. That is, they are constantly interacting with each other. 
These interactions result in the change and progress you experience in your life. Likewise, you, yourself, are a dynamic component of a greater system. Your interactions with the environment around you ultimately influence change and progress in the world. Desmond Tutu said, Do your little bit of good where you are. It's those little bits of good put together that overwhelm the world. Everything is interconnected. The people, things, and events in your life affect you as you, in turn, affect them. In my family, we talk about how moods can be contagious. If one person in our house is irritable, the rest of us may soon follow suit. Every action you take in life creates a ripple in the fabric of the whole. The action may cause a tiny ripple, as when someone does you a small kindness and you pay it forward to others, or it may cause a big ripple that impacts history, just as when Rosa Parks chose to sit in the front of the bus. Thank you very much. Mel got us off to a good start. Now, let me try and summarise the reaction of the genius room, which is an impossible task in any case, but let, I'll do my best. So, uh, L.A. Thomas, title isn't really clear. Claire, Claire says, uh, title reminds of ancient Greece. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's got that sort of feeling. Uh, James says, blurb, clever and clear. Uh, Hannah, looking forward to retirement. All that time for playing and writing. Annie, blurb sounds good. Title, not so much. I've got one or two thoughts about the title. Uh, Carol, referring to 40 years old would immediately pull me off. I'd say, huh? Yeah, I think that's <laughs> right. Annie agrees with that. Um, Claire likes the opening. Uh, Annie says, writing's good, but I feel it needs a bit more of a hook at the start. And LA um, comes in again and says, all the hero courage points seem a bit far-fetched to me, but I'm not the target reader. Is that because you're older or younger? I'd like to know. Um, Barbara, aging hero is not keen on that. It applies... It applies older people can't be heroes. It implies, implies older people can't be heroes. It's got a slight military feeling to me, actually, but maybe that's the, just the, the UK. Um, Pamela says, less cliche, spy chow, pebble-like lifestyle. I don't know what that means, but I'm sure it does mean something. It's over my head. <laughs> As is so much from the genius room, a new book has to cut through the old stuff to do something new. Yes, it clearly does. Um, and Claire is 40 and she's engaged. I don't know if that means you're engaged with the book or with someone else. I mean, hopefully both. Oh, Barbara's 50. Oh, we're getting all kinds of personal confessions now. I'm not, Claire. Not engaged with the book. or I, I don't know. It's, it's just something else that they, they do sometimes. Um, and, um, yeah, Pamela Joe, why blame the media for what may be holding people back? Oh, they're, they're talking about the whole concept of... What's old? Beyavin. Okay, mm -hmm. we know what they want to write about now. Show us the project. And Mal says, our narrator, this is well written and a smooth read, yet I felt the writing a bit removed from the reader. And, um, and Vagabond is sorry that she's late. She had surprise visitors. You're excused only this once. I want to know what, and I say thank you very much, Johnny, actually, for stepping in at the very, very latest moment because some. Um, uh, Andy, I think it's okay to say um, he's been in hospital, and um, I just been texting him a few minutes ago. I can't hear you, Pete. I don't know why. Okay. One two one two. I think I. Oh, yeah. Can you hear me now? Yeah, Can I you hear you nicely. Yeah. Oh yeah, you dropped out twice. Sorry, I beg your pardon. Oh, you. Presumably you've just come to me. Yeah. Yeah, I have. I have come to you. Yes, and I oh, want to know what God. you think. Um, I'm still. You're going in intermittently. Oh, I have no idea oh, why, though. Okay, I tell I tell you what, Johnny, um, do the voting, 
do the voting. That's that's the most important thing. If you do the voting, then Tiffany and I will talk about it, okay? You got it? It's a bit frustrating for Johnny, I think. Tiffany, give us some reactions to that first off. Hi. Uh, first off, I want to say how much I liked the bio. I thought that was really solid. Yeah, great. It led with something interesting, and then it had great credits that immediately would make you take notice, I think. Um, I, I agreed with some of the comments that I thought that the writer clearly understands the genre. And has it has that tone of self-help that draws you in, that tells you, you know, I'm an authority you can trust. I did also find it a little generalized. Yeah. The title, for example, um, it's catchy. It sounds marketable, but I'm not quite sure what it's saying or what problem it proposes to solve. Same with the blur. Yeah. And yeah. I actually felt that way also from the submission. It felt like a lot of talk about this theory, this uh, system, this aging heroes this system that I didn't quite fully understand yet yeah. what it was. And then finally, I do agree with some readers that the lumping in 40 and over, that's a lot of different stages of life. It really is, and, isn't it, actually? Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. I'm, and I'm not sure that those all belong together. And, and also the fact that the tone did seem a little bit heroes does feel a little bit elitist only in the sense that the approach of anyone who doesn't adopt this system felt a little bit um dismissive to me I, but the yeah. writing was terrific i thought it was smooth flowed well so um let's just talk about the uh, the target market for this i'm um, um i guess um randolph says it's for anyone who, who's over 40 um but mm. We're also using a couple of interesting words in the title, uh, aging. I don't know if people over 40 think of themselves as aging. And heroes, <laughs> I don't know if we think of ourselves as heroes particularly. So I'm kind of, you know, I'm, I'm wondering very much about that title. I'm also thinking that you're kind of stating the, the, the problem here, Randolph, but I'm not seeing any, any solutions. And I think unless you can hit us with a solution pretty early on, with whatever that is, is a life strategy maybe, or I don't know what it is really, then it's just either going to depress me or think, or, or, or make me think it's just not for me. Um, I, having said that, I mean, I, I assume there are lots of books out there that are actually relevant to, to older people, but I, I don't know. I mean, just give me, give me a bit more, basically. Give me something that, that says what's in the book and the unique benefit of it. Um, let's just see what the um, chat room. I, I don't know if you can hear me now. Can yeah, you? go ahead. Go ahead, Johnny. Yeah, sorry. I, I, this is like sort of a sign, isn't it? Really, what we were joking it, yes. about. Literally, <laughs> change your hearing aid batteries. <laughs> hello, hello. Uh, I'm really sorry about this. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would sort of agree with a lot of things Tiffany said on, on the, the, uh, the Genius Room as well. What I did find was I was waiting to find what. You know, just a bit of a clue to what being an aging hero might be, other than just positive mental attitude. And I think yeah. there's nothing really here. It's it's commonly written and it's nicely written. It's got a nice tone, but it's there's nothing. There's nothing leaping out at me. There's nothing. If I was in that category, uh, where I'd say, "Oh, this is an idea. I'm interested yeah. in this." What do you mean? What do you mean? Be, so you know, if, if you were in that category, this is anyone over forty. You're not, not admitting to that, then, Johnny, huh? Well, no, if I, if I was searching for an answer, which, ah, which okay. I'm not, because that, that, that was my other question. 
<laughs> you know, it's obviously you know, what, what, how, you know, how do you fish your customers in on this? Because yeah. it, it, by implication, everybody over 40 is sort of going, oh, must find an answer, must find an answer. Well, that's not the case, of course, is it? So yeah. what's going to make that stand out on a bookshelf that you might happen to be in there and all of a sudden think, oh, that looks interesting? You know, yeah. because at, at the moment we're having, we're having well, you know, well, well worn path. We've had a well worn path, and nothing to, to leap out at me, but but ni- nicely done nonetheless. Yeah, yeah, I think everyone felt the execution was pretty good, but I'm I'm, I'm struggling. I mean, I love I love nonfiction, and you know, I mean, for me, I mean, some of the most important books I I, I was going to say read, but actually thinking about it, I listened to a lot of self improvement mm. books on cassette, and that does mm. the- cassette cassette. cassette. Like you, you don't know what they are, do you? Not eight track? You don't do eight yeah. track? <laughs> well, I'm not going to admit to that. But, you know, so I, 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 I do love the genre. Let's just see what the um, uh, genius stream is saying, actually, because they've, they've said a lot more in the past few minutes. Uh, Carol said, makes a very good point. Back in the old days, we used to think 39 was time for a midlife crisis. Then it was 49, then 59, time for the red sports car. Um and Claire says, I'm ageing. I want to be a hero. Uh, writer says, yeah, writing's fine. I think courage was meant to be the solution, Pete, says Ale Thomas. Is that it? Just courage? Okay, right. That's a bit bleak then, isn't it? <laughs> B. Yarvin. Wouldn't a solution have to start with examples? Yes, exactly. That's what I want. Ageing heroes makes me think, says Hannah, of army veterans. Me too, actually. And Barbara says, we're born, we age, bar humbug. And Merry Christmas <laughs> to you, to you, to you, to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear oh dear all right so i don't know if you're with us randolph if you are give us some give us um just give us a wave on the uh youtube channel and you know disagree agree what have we done i mean you're you're that's the whole point of pop-ups really you can ask questions if you want to shall we see uh what the numbers look like for you you've got a very solid 63 points first off the block 63 nothing to be embarrassed about Yeah, thank you, Randolph. Thank you, Amel, for getting us off to a flying start there. Now it's Gregory's turn with Nonfiction Psychology slash Self Help. There's another quite long title, actually. Kintsugi. And we've got another, another semicolon in titles. I haven't asked Tiffany about that yet. I wonder if she's got strong feelings. I bet she has. Kintsugi, the art and science of survival. I've got an ampersand and parentheses. That's a long, complicated title. And recovery from trauma. All right. This is Gregory's blurb. One day this book will be referred to by those in the psychiatry, counselling and medical profession. Is that one profession or more? As the voice that jolted all thinking about mental health, recovery and the fundamental attitude of all societies towards our most fundamental asset, children. There's no book quite like this. It's a story that must be heard if we are to progress as a species. This is not a frivolous entertainment book, a book everybody has a responsibility to read. Big enough for you. I don't know who that's <laughs> I don't know if you're getting at me there. I felt something quite vulnerable. I don't know if that's part of the blurb or it's a, a remarked cox. Oh dear. Might be. Um, yes. Let's tell, uh, tell everyone about you, Gregory. Uh, someone who makes a powerful impact. This is about you. Someone who makes a powerful impact via presence alone. Wow. <laughs> Charisma. I'm on a mission that's way bigger than me or any one person. 
This is not about my ego, being famous or making money. I've lived. Have the courage to read this book and do something about it. Well, if that's going to happen, then I can guarantee you this reading from Emily will enable it. Kintsugi, The Art and Science of Survival and Recovery from Trauma by Gregory, read by Emily Prologue Delhi in 1987, at the end of two years of travelling around Asia and India, I checked into a hostel. I paid a week in advance for a solitary hut on a roof. I'd been feeling unwell, but this was not unusual given my diet. I recall the conscious thought of nobody having any idea where I was, not having contacted any friends or dysfunctional family members for way over three years, having prior to my journey been living in Japan for a year, and Australia before that. I began to convulse. Okay, I am ill. I vomited, dry-retched, and my bowels cramped. Shortly, I was shitting and puking as good as simultaneously. I stripped naked, then oscillated between sitting on and kneeling over this filthy toilet until I had only the strength to lie curled around it and convulse involuntarily without any discharge from either end, making into the bowl, all just splattering around me. This went on for four days. That is, four whole days and nights lying next to a toilet, getting weaker and weaker, by now just cramping out bile. It felt like the devil had manifested itself as a giant, which had me clenched in both hands and was wringing me. For a while, I actually begged silently for mercy. I have never begged for mercy. The devil twisted and twisted me unrelentingly. It would stop and wait, give me false hope, then twist me, and just at the point where the pain was excruciating, it would twist some more, and just when I could not bear it any longer, it would hold tight and keep me twisted. I have looked death in the face a couple of times, given that I am the risk-taking variety of trauma survivors. This was different, because previously there were usually heart-stopping moments, whereas this confrontation was elongated. I went through various phases psychologically. Panic was the first. Panic because my reality had changed so dramatically I couldn't accept it or, seemingly, do anything about it. Three days in, I began to believe I might actually die in this hut, on this roof, in this bathroom. I recall I spent some time hallucinating. The same vision I have tried to cultivate in your mind of a giant holding me was the actual vision I was facing. But there were gaps between the unpredictable twists. In those gaps, I decided to think. You see, part of the problem I had was coming to terms with the fact that nobody was going to appear and help me. No one was going to come and knock on the door. This was not a room service kind of place. I was on my own. So what was I going to do about my situation? The first thing I decided was to decide I was going to survive. You see, I did have choices. I could decide to resign myself to dying and let go and, with that, deplete my will. Or I could not want to die, but expend my energy in indulging in panic, questioning and worrying. I didn't do either because I accepted the situation is as it is. I decided to give myself the best chance of getting through, which, logically, was to decide I was going to survive. So... I decided to tell myself that at some point it would pass, the twists would weaken and I would get through it. I painted a picture in my mind of getting up off the floor and finding the strength from somewhere to get down the stairs and get help. Once I made this decision, I didn't go back on it. I decided to stick with this decision. It was a good one, the best one, the major physical benefit being that I didn't waste any energy panicking and it is likely there were spiritual benefits aiding my recovery. 
Then I made a major pragmatic choice fairly early on. I manoeuvred my body as best I could so my mouth was not slumped near the floor and with the back of my hand wiped away the puke so as not to intoxicate myself with the fumes. See Jimi Hendrix's cause of death if I should fall asleep unconscious. Well, we better get straight to the genius room because, my goodness me, have they been busy. Um, <laughs> Annie says, if I saw this title, I'd expect something related to pottery. Ah, oh, that's interesting. I, I like the the uh, Japanese element of the title. I'm assuming it's Japanese. I like that. Um, books with a bit of Japanese in the title often do quite well, actually. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to give that good marks, um, despite the parentheses and stuff. So Pamela says, Vagabond and I would say your knife art does as much as any self-help book for the kind of life. Wow. Deep. Uh, Barbara, mm, bit of modesty would go a long way. Uh, Annie says, blurb tooting its own horn. And Lex says, wow, was that blurb written by Yay? <laughs> Can you? <laughs> I think it could be. It could be. Uh, James says, wow, read my book. And Claire, wow, Bob Blurb, better live up to it. Uh, Pamela, boy, this blurb makes me want to punch out the writer. Was that the intent? Wow. I think uh, the writer's got your attention, haven't they? Um, and it's a blurb coming from a very high pedestal of Vagabond. This is not a blurb, it's just an arrogant description. That is the danger with, with stuff like that. I don't think this is quite going to cut it with a reader that says, LA, Mel, maybe pitch to write a self help book for self help authors. I don't know about that. Sanctimania says, LA, I'm trying to picture, says Matt, buying this after reading that blurb, and I can't. I, I, I think bit silly instead. And oh my, oh dear. Um, Vagabond, I don't want to prologue in the self-help book. No, I think we have to get straight into the nitty-gritty. Carol says, the blurb feels too boastful, very presumptuous to me, given the huge amount of knowledge in this field. And Barbara says, shitting and puking. No, thank you. <laughs> yes, there was a lot of diarrhoea there, wasn't there? I don't know. Uh, let's, uh, let's just see, actually, if um, the communications are working okay. John? I don't know if you can hear me, Pete. Can you yeah. hear me? Yeah, very nicely. Yeah. Okay, I can't hear you, but okay, I'll, 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 I'll speak then. Okay. Um, yeah, go big or go home. Isn't that what they say, isn't it? Well, yeah. certainly the blurb went big. Um, can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. It's very disconcerting because I can't I hear you guys now yeah. at all. Uh, yeah. The, the blurb went big, but I don't really feel it delivered on, on you know, this sort of this, this stuff. Oh, yeah. The start. I see what, what he was trying to do grab her attention as I suppose he did but then we went into an anecdote after that and again um, okay we didn't get to the end of the anecdote but but the end of the, the anecdote seemed to be saying overall um, when he was in the depths of being in a real really bad yeah. way yeah. he thought I'm going to get through this and again it goes back to the positive mental attitude um, aspect of self-help and I think most of self-help I've encountered in my life, and I've done a lot of it through sales and stuff like that, is all about thinking, you know, thinking positively. Don't, you yes. know, you're a glass full guy, you're not a glass half, half, half empty guy, all that sort of stuff. And I think from that point of view, um, it's competently written again, but I'm, I'm, again, I'm struggling to see why I might want to buy that book. Um, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Johnny. Thank you. Thumbs up. We will communicate in sign language for a bit. Uh, just want to uh, uh, cut to the genius room and Emily, who was our narrator. We always want to hear from narrators because they see it slightly differently, of course. Emily says, as anyone knows me, will attest one of my areas of interest is bowel health. Okay. Uh, and it can wiggle the topic of bowel motions into the most innocuous of conversations. Having said that, she says, even for me, this went on a little bit too long on the bowel function. <laughs> 
but it flowed well. I assume you're talking about the prose and the other stuff, and was easy to read, and unsurprisingly would read on. Right. Well, the question for you, of course, Tiffany, is would you read on? Uh, I have to point out that Mel made a comment that maybe this is the vomit draft, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, literally. So I agree with Johnny and with many of the geniuses that it's starting with bodily effluvium is a tough sell. It's also, it went on a bit long. And yeah. so even if you're going to talk about it, tell us, it was a great instinct to start with an anecdote. It draws us right in, hmm. but then give us a reason why we care about this. And I couldn't tell whether this was just like a really bad case of gastroenteritis, you know, mm. like we need to know why this is, why this is important and ha more important, how does it relate to your reader mm. and what pain point are you identifying in them? As for the blurb itself and, and the bio, um, be careful if you are focusing on the result or the effect that your story is going or that your manuscript is going to have rather than the content of it, rather than what you are addressing. You don't give the reader anything to engage in. And in fact, as many of the geniuses point out, I think he's Did that, was that the gong? Did I just get played off? I don't know off? what it was, actually. <laughs> I'm just reading the genius room, and um, you've actually been given marks, um, uh, Tiffany, by Pamela Joe, who's given you points for bodily effluvia, I think, for the oh, terminology. Yes, which is very nice. And, and Anytime and one can bring that up. I, I, well, quite, yes. Uh, no USP here, I'm afraid, says Annie, other than funny blurb and bio. Um, and Lex, I'm just trying to find Lex. Oh, there's so much here. Oh, well, we could spend like 10 minutes going through everything that uh, the geniuses have, uh, have come up with. And what does Lex say? Starts a new self-help book, says Lex. Dealing with the trauma of technical difficulties on pop-ups week after week. Well, it does happen sometimes. <laughs> we do it live. We live on the edge, whatever. Uh, by Lex, yeah. yay, quite, yeah. Uh, are you actually hearing us, Johnny? Yeah, just again, Pete, but my software okay. keeps on, I've just discovered my software is turning my monitor off. I don't know why at the moment. Wow. Uh, I I've, I've should be able to rectify it if it goes again. Sorry, but if there was a screaming feedback and howl a few minutes ago, that was me. Oh, that was you, was it? I, <laughs> I thought someone was sending an exorcism or something. <laughs> I'm, I'm, listen, I'm putting this down to the Warminster curse. Yeah, and I can do it more, Mr. Everything's working fine down here. Thank you very much. Yeah. Oh, we, call it, we call it the, uh, the Reading curse, I think. Okay, so let's look at the numbers on that. I think all the numbers are in. Let's just check that Johnny's numbers have come through. And indeed they have. You didn't like the blue. Oh, much, crap. Though. Did I do it? Uh, we'll find out. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Thank you very much. And that means we've got an overall number. Oh, not very good. Not very good, 45. Well, I tell you what I think it is, Gregory. I think it's the uh, partially the blur, but also the, the bio, actually. And obviously some, some people in the genius room didn't relate to the uh, uh, violent diarrhoea story, so you, you have divided people. <laughs> but I quite like books that do, that do you know, produce mm. something. They get talked about, at least. But more seriously, you're talking... You know, you're, what you're saying... Final word from me on this. You're talking about our most fundamental asset, children. Yes, good, very interesting. I don't see how that relates at all to the start of the book. Um, you've got something really important Kids to Kids do say. have a lot of bodily effluvia. Well, that's true. Yes, okay. <laughs> Point made. Good. Let's... Um, i tell you what, what I want to do now, actually, before we look at the next submission. I just want to ask 
I want to ask Tiffany something. Tiffany, I hear you're doing yeah. something rather I'm... interesting in a few days' time. Yeah. You are a sleuth, sir. Oh, you yeah. managed to dig up the most interesting things. I am. Yeah. I'm doing a, a free panel with uh, a literary agent, Andrea Hurst, who is also an editor, and one of the founding editors of Lake Union Publishing, Jody Warshaw, who's also an editor now freelance, and Did me. You say, and we're let me just interrupt you. Did you say free? Free, free, yes. free. Well, yes. that's very it's good. just a resource oh. for authors. If you have a finished manuscript and you want to know what to do with it next, we've got every perspective. So um, thank you so much for sharing that. Not at all. Um, that's so Tuesday, December 6th. Tuesday, December 6th. That's next Tuesday. Uh, this coming, yeah. And this it will also Tuesday. be... Yeah. It'll be live broadcast on my YouTube channel for those of you who are in a different time zone who may have trouble with the time it's going to Fantastic. be there. But if you're there live, there's a Q&A. Fantastic. So from first draft to published book, editor, agent and publisher, and it's the post-nano panel of experts. So are you going to be taking questions? We are. Um, on, the, um, on the YouTube chat or something like that? Uh, we'll have, during the live webinar, there will be questions for everyone who is in the actual room, and then all right. of it will be broadcast on YouTube. Okay. And who is it actually focused? Sorry, we've got a bit of lag going on. Who is this actually, who is it focused to? The person who's, who's already got a complete manuscript or what? Yeah, any author who has typed the end, whether in Nano or any other time, if you just would like to hear from some experts on best practices for revising and editing and querying and submitting to publishers or self-publishing, any questions you have from, fantastic. from finishing your draft on. That's fantastic. And it's free. Thanks. Yeah? Free. Free. Brilliant. Okay, go to the link there. You've still got a few seats left, have you? Yeah, we do. Fantastic. Thank you, Tiffany. Thank you for sharing that. Here we go. We have we got... <laughs> We have got a little bit of lag going on, but you know what? We're just going to soldier on. And this is an interesting submission from Bizad, spirituality slash science slash self-help, and it's called Gyan Yoga, The Path of Knowledge. This is Bizad's blurb. We're on the verge of a wonderful evolutionary transformation. Each of us has the potential to become highly individuated. What does that mean? A person is, oh, you are going to tell me, that's great. A person is individuated to the degree that they are aware of the feelings elicited within them by the physical postures and mental modes they hold. Okay. Oh, you kind of lost me a bit there. Mental models are representations of the world that we hold in our mind. Fair enough. Critical thinking is a set of heuristics that help us to identify whether the feeling of logic is being elicited. Okay, so I'm scratching my head about that. I'm, it's possibly gone over my head, actually, but that's just... I'm all the agent, really. Let me tell everybody about you while I'm, I'm still looking at that. Bizad holds a bachelor's and master's in pure mathematics. I knew it. <laughs> he does make sense, your blurb. It's just that I don't understand it. Um, he also holds a master's... Very good. Two, two masters in mathematical modeling and computational science. He's worked as a data scientist and consultant over the last five years. Bizad has served as the lead data scientist for multiple organizations and has successfully architected artificial intelligence platforms for those organizations. I'm a bit scared by AI, actually. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> what if it's not your fault? <laughs> anyway, okay. While I'm scratching my head over that blurb and trying to understand it, I'm going to ask Martin to give it his very best narration for you. Gayan Yoga, The Path of Knowledge by Bezad. I was once asked by a dear friend, what is larger, the sun or the moon? The clarity of the question struck me as something very important and I have asked this question from many people since then. This question immediately focuses our attention on how we hold mental models incorrectly. If you pose this question to a highly educated person, they almost always respond with the sun. Some of them can recall that the sun has a radius that is about 400 times that of the moon. People who are not highly educated sometimes remember that the sun is bigger. Sometimes they will say they don't know, but that they feel the sun is bigger. The friend who asked me this question believes in the supernatural. She is able to hold mental models in her mind that cannot be found in science books. I would perhaps have responded with the sun confidently if anyone else had asked this question. I knew that this answer wouldn't satisfy her, so I thought for a moment about what I truly knew about the sun and moon. They appear to be the same size, I responded. If someone replies with the sun, you can then tell them they appear to be the same size. So how do you know that the sun is bigger? I've done this many times. For most people, this will be the first time someone has questioned this mental model for them. In general, people will think a bit and respond with either, well, the sun is farther away, to which, of course, you can say, how do you know that? I have found that, ironically, those who are not highly educated feel puzzled and interested when faced with this question. The more educated the person, the higher the likelihood that they will be offended. The educated are perhaps thinking to themselves, are you questioning my intelligence? You must be a conspiracy theorist. When I told my friend that they, the sun and the moon, appear to be the same size, she replied, yes, gleefully. You see, the sun and the moon are the same size. The sun represents masculinity and the moon represents femininity. This is why they say the sun is bigger. Here I was being confronted by a mental model that I had not previously seen. It was curious and interesting. This mental model agreed more with my own senses than what I have learned in books. Very few people know the observations which were needed for us to even question if the sun and the moon were different sizes. Fewer still will know the experiments done and the body of empirical knowledge required to make us certain that the sun is larger. I've studied a lot of physics and I could not remember these experiments when the question was posed to me. Many educated people that I have posed this question to were certain that the sun is bigger. They were also certain that they had arrived at this conclusion using rational decision making. How was the knowledge gained through imitation about sizes of the celestial objects affected in your life? We had to memorise this information to pass tests. Outside of this, I cannot think of how that mental model has helped me in my life. So then, why was it necessary that I must learn this information? 
What did we as students really learn? We learned that we must believe certain statements if they are presented in a scientific setting. No evidence, reasoning or experiment was required to prove these statements. We as students were required to believe these statements, even if it goes against the evidence that we did not have in front of us. We could see that the moon and the sun appear to be the same size, yet we were told that the sun is much larger. Thank you very much, Martin. I always love Martin's readings. Um, look forward to them, actually. Now, we need to see what the junior is saying. And Hannah says, did Tiffany say free? <laughs> I, was, I was not even talking about this. You did say free. I'm going to have to put this up again. There you go. Wow, I know how to... I know how to get a hold of y'all. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we, we, we're just super cheap, really. Um, <laughs> going to, uh, Andy has been a gone, which is great. I mean, it's not great. He's gone, but it's good. He's okay. Um, and Matt says, wow, Tiffany, I think the genius room will empty soon because we all want to prepare for Tuesday. Um, Pamela J says, book babbling. I think she's talking about the blurb. And Mel says, wow, today's subs have all smoked the same stuff. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> Annie, blur feels a, bit, a wee bit all over the place. BR, then it's possible that I can have an opinion of this if you shared a dictionary with me first. I, I know, I know. I do not understand this blurb, says Matt. That says something about me, but also the blurb. I felt a bit intimidated by the blurb, actually. Like, I'm not clever enough for it, you know. Um, Lex says, I think I understand and appreciate what the blurb wants to convey, but it's a slog to get through and feels more like concepts that should be explained inside, not summarised in, 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 into dust. Not summarised into dust on the back cover. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a very small group of readers who pass that test, says um, Pamela Joe. And Carol says, blurbs should be simple and clear about concept of individuation rather than using a psych term defining it in the blurb. Just say it. And that title reminds me of the old Yakui way of knowledge books. It does, actually. And James says, and this is something I've been wrestling with too during that narration, but the moon looks bigger. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure about the point that, that you know, that you're making there, Bizhad, really. Um, and Annie, will it be the first time? No, sorry. Uh, James says, Martin is a soothing reader too. He is a he's gorgeous reader, actually. Lex says, this is Philosophy 101 Week. Uh, paradigm shifts and you got to give me more and this is my subject is it indeed and Annie says okay it's going on a bit now lost me and then just skipping ahead uh, LA Thomas says clearly telling me I'm not educated enough to feign interest and be of and I guess that even those with the biggest vocabularies those who overthink to the greatest extremes need self-help books too wow so much good uh, commentary there so much and if you are with us at the moment or if you're watching a lot of people you know it's kind of sad really but a lot of authors can't join us live because they're too nervous they're too nervous mm. so they just you know they hide behind the sofa and they look at the replay afterwards so if, if you're watching the replay just just freeze the frame there mate and um just read everything they're saying because it's all good stuff i want to see what tiffany thinks um, so I agree with the comments about the blur, but I would, 
I mean, the blurb's job is to entice us to want to read it and to let us know what we're going to read. And this felt a little vague to me. And it felt very dry, as someone pointed out. As soon as you've got the word heuristic in there, a lot of readers are going to just kind of... I mean, we all made a comment about the tone of it. And you want to draw your reader in, not put us off, even if you're, even if we're put off because we don't think we're smart enough for the story, for the book. Um, And that would be, so I do want to point out that in the blurb and in all of this submission, nowhere did I understand that I'm reading a book about yoga, uh, which was the title. Yeah. Like Mm. the path of knowledge. Yeah. 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 We never quite got there, so I don't really follow what I'm reading. Again, I think the instinct to begin with an anecdote that draws us in is good, but this one, to me, I didn't understand what the point was because, as as several other people pointed out, it felt like it was... Doing drawing a comparison between the educated and the uneducated in a way that might be off-putting to a group of people. Mm. And also, it was, I mean, the I kept thinking to myself, well, the easy answer here is that science has proven this. And I can, I may not be able to lay my hand on that fact right away, but I can do a click or two and get it for yeah. you. So, yeah. I, I didn't understand was the point, was the point that we're supposed to take things on faith from our observation over what science can prove. And that put me off a bit. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I don't understand the point. I think John's going to say something. Hannah, uh, I just got to draw your attention to Hannah's comment there. She says, now I feel I'm being talked down to. The, the sun and moon are not the same size. The moon is 1.4 million kilometers away. The sun 147 million kilometers away. Visual perspective makes them the same size. And, uh, and um, L.A. Thomas says, Hannah, that was more interesting than the entire sample. Hmm, that's not good, is it really, for the writing? What do you think, Johnny? Yeah, me neither, particularly the last point that Tiffany was making. Um, to go back to the blurb, <clears throat> the blurb was impenetrable. You know, I was a bit like Lex. I saw I could work out what it was saying, but and by then I thought, oh, I don't know. It might be saying that, it might be something else. So it's immediately going to put potential you know, bars off if they don't really know what they're going to re- be reading about. But but the whole opening thing, again, to take a, an anecdote or to take a situation is good. agree with that. But I'm exactly with Tiffany, and I was saying the whole time, well, you know, I, I, it's hard to imagine there are people who don't really know that the, the sun is vast compared to the moon. And although at times, most of the times, they appear as similar, similar-sized discs, as James pointed out, you know, in a full moon, a full moon, the disc in the sky is considerably bigger. So wow. I, 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 it just, it just, I just felt it, it totally baffled me. I, I wasn't quite sure if you wanted to make some kind of clever point make it with something which is a bit less obvious. Um, and and it, to, to me, it's just exactly what Tiffany said there. You know, it, it's, it's pretty much a given that most people, I guess if you ask 100 people, I can't imagine not many more than 3% won't know, you know, what the relative sizes of these things are. So I'm not quite sure. That seems a bit, little bit too simplistic. And also I would, I would chime with what the others are saying also to, to differentiate between uneducated stroke educated people is a bit jarring for people as well. Yeah, um, and, and, and that, may, that may be just as kind of a, 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 a you know, mis, miswording, for want of a better word, like which I've just done. I can't think of the word I want, but they may they could have chosen a better word, perhaps. Yes, um, I think that's so true. I don't. So, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Johnny. I'm, I'm not sure how much no. you're actually hearing me, but I, I don't no, I think I don't think that was Bizad's intention at all. No, but, nor me. But, nor me. I, but I, I agree. And as, you know, speaking as someone who was entirely educated, really, by by reading, I never went to university. Books were, were my mm. essential education. Yeah. I don't want to feel mm. that you know that that a line is being drawn there. I'm on the wrong side of it. 
I'm sure that's not the author's intention, but it does seem to be coming over a bit. Um, and yeah, there was no. Can, there was can no we please hang. take? Go on, Tiffany. I, I, can we take a moment to appreciate the comment that uh, Matt Show made that we he would like to note that we are not supposed to look directly at the sun. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. That's quite an important warning, isn't it, actually? Yeah. And, and I think Barbara made a very prescient, Barbara made a very prescient point that yes. everyone knows the moon's made of cheese. Quite. And she also <laughs> says, yes, that, that is very true, but she also says yeah. the film needs to focus on the reader and how to make their life better. It's not about the author. Mm, that's very true. Even if it's, you know, an inspiring story of a, a fight against something, which we may well have in a minute or two, it's still essentially about the reader. It's still about the reader. Mm. All right, let's look mm. at the numbers. 52, Bizad, 52. I'm thinking to myself that you're actually talking about something I'm vaguely aware of as Yana Yoga, actually, except you're using a different name. So you've got 52. If that is the case, that comes from a Sanskrit word. If that is the case, then I would be interested in reading a book. But it's a bit of a conundrum, isn't it? Um, good. On to the next one. Uh, and <clears throat> this, is, this has got a very punchy title. Can't get better than one word title, can you? Warrior. Oh, but then we've got a very long genre. <laughs> Non-fiction, biography, memoir, LGBTQ, self-help, spiritual disability... No, spiritual, common disability, travel, culture. All right. Taking all the boxes there. Thank you very much, Sean. We've got a website as well there too from you. And this is the blurb. It's an autobiography slash memoir book based around my life-changing journey to Southeast Asia, which stripped me of the life I once knew. I faced a journey to grow spiritually, heal past wounds, and rebirth myself to a higher plane. The journey deepens when I return to the UK, having to face the most horrific events that lie ahead. Warrior is based on real-life events with a twist. A careful, a carefully carved self-help book offering spiritual teachings and practical advice. Let me tell you all about you, Sham. Um, here's a bit about me since I've written Warrior. Um, that's what we want. I am currently the founder and creative arts director of New Age Creativity since November 2020. A songwriter. So many uh, of our um, uh, authors are songwriters, actually. Uh, winner of last month, of course, was a, a jazzicist. Um, motivational speaker and author. Born in Worcestershire, UK. Have lived in Birmingham for many years. Also lived and travelled to many places in the world. Um, I provide workshops for students worldwide combining well well-being and performing arts through music, dance, and drama. These workshops allow us to reach out to students through motivational talks, which is a great platform to promote my book. Yes, it is, very much so, actually. Yeah, if you're doing that, then you absolutely need to have some books to sell. It's a great platform. After collaborating as a songwriting creator, also collaborating as a songwriter and creator with signed artists, was inspired to write Warrior during covid so many people were since 2018 when i was diagnosed with myasthenia gravis well that's a tough break i'm sorry to hear that but i'm happy to say we've got a great reading from hannah warrior by charm read by hannah chapter one land of smiles have you got everything? Passport? Chargers? 
Insurance? Money? My cousin Mel said, investigating me with her huge, thick, curly, tied-back hair in a loose bun, with big blue eyes peering over the rim of her glasses. Mel had travelled many places as a free, hippie spirit, gallivanting around third-world countries, usually politically related, or on some hungry protest. Although I had travelled and lived in corners of the world, this was my first time somewhere so exotic, so out of reach and so planless. I feel as though I am packing my unborn child off for their first day at school. She double-checked I had everything again. We walked through the door of Heathrow Airport in London at 5.45am on a cold January morning, just two days after New Year's Eve, whilst the rest of the country desperately trying to find their minds, procrastinating into the new year, me carrying currently everything I own in a rucksack, taking a journey into the unknown if to ever return was undecided. I placed my bag onto the weighing machine, handing my documents over to the olive-skinned lady who made 5.45 a.m. look like a really glamorous hour. Here is your ticket to Bangkok. Have a safe trip, she said, handing me back my documents. All done, I said, turning back to my cousin and walking back towards the entrance of the airport. Make sure you call me on your arrival and have a safe trip, she said, giving me a smothering hug. This felt like an end of an era. Over the past year, I mostly spent my time sofa surfing at Mel's apartment in East London for a year, saving towards this adventure of a lifetime. The rest of the time, I would stay with friends and family in the Midlands, generally cooking and cleaning to pay for my stay. Mel walked towards the entrance and took one last look and waved before she disappeared out of sight. Now my reality set in. As I stood in the middle of the airport, people walked past me. The realisation kicked in. I am in this alone. I have never been one to chase my tail on a hamster wheel stuck in an office, married with kids and a dog or saving for my death. This lifestyle at this point was not for me. Some call it reckless. I call it being a free spirit. Personally, I could do it for a while, gain a sense of what some people call normal. A claustrophobic feeling soon comes over me of being jailed, stuck in nothingness. Life all of a sudden has no purpose. An improvised leap of faith, they say. The unplanned ventures can end up being the best. I had previously worked so hard as a supply teacher, dancing jobs and any odd jobs I could get my hands on. No thoughts of planning to return to the UK, intuitively knowing it was time to spread my wings and fly, boxing all of my personal belongings into storage, and the rest is history. The aeroplane soared across the clouds, digesting a mixture of eagerness and anticipation of what lay ahead, glazing over the ceramic-shaped vapour, dwarfing into different dimensions and formations, 
trying to figure out what concept the mist was creating in front of my eyes. I indulged into a selection of travel music, which included songs like Destiny, Zero Seven, and The Beach, Pure Shores, playing back in my mind on events of my life and how I got here in the first place. I was brought up and raised by my nan, having immense support with whatever I chose to do. She encouraged me through my passion for the performing arts, which led me to achieve extraordinary projects. Whatever you put your heart to, you can achieve. Hearing her sweet-sounding voice whispering to me above the heavens of the plain. Finally landing in Koh Samui, approximately just a short scenic drive from the airport. Engrossed in the views out of the window, taking in all the sights, it all felt very surreal to me, because the parallel universe I had viewed in my dreams. Thank you very, very much, Hannah. Um, lots of great comments in the junior show. I'm just going to pick two, really, I think. Um, and Hannah says herself, the, the narrator, many sentences are very long, lots of ing words, edit towards shorter sentences will help. Uh, Matt says, bio tells us, there is something interesting in this opening vignette, the author didn't give us that. Didn't give us that. So I wonder if Tiffany agrees with that. I do. My main comment about this was that I think there's an interesting story here. There's something really interesting about someone who spends a year sofa surfing, saving money for this big trip that is really important to them clearly, but I didn't know why. And that was the main thing that I think would have hooked me in the story is just having some sense of why this was so important. I felt like instead, uh, again, really good instinct to start with an anecdote. I think that's always a good bet, especially in this genre, which I do want to note feels a little bit more like memoir to me than self-help. Mm. But um, this anecdote was a bit, it's hard to make an engaging anecdote out of something as quotidian as going and through security yeah. at an airport. I wonder if this was the highest stakes, um, most impactful moment to begin on. Yeah, I know. I, I thought that too. I, what I wrote down was the bag on the weighing machine. I don't, I don't want to yeah. know about it. Unless it's got mm. some significance. I mean, you're telling us yeah. everything. Yeah, this was a happened, key so. moment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. And uh, I feel that there was some work that might be done. Um, and this is, you know, this is uh, mechanical. But craft is important as far as usage and grammar. And I, um, that can be something that makes a submission a little bit hard for readers to engage with. So yeah. that's worth looking into. Thank you very much, Tiffany. Johnny? Yeah, I would agree with a lot of that. It's, again, it's a tough gig, I think, you know, writing a memoir, because I think it does allude to itself being a memoir and self-help as well. Uh, if if you haven't got an angle, and the angle's normally a celebrity or, or some kind of, um, you know, some real hope that you can hook people by. And I think there was a good, there was actually a good, um, correlation between the blurb first of all and where, where we opened in as much as the person was going on a journey but then the journey was very in inconsequential as we've said mm. it was just a guy who check out you know with his cousin cheerio give me a call when you get there um i don't think that's really going to drag people in or, or you know compel them to, to read on in the book um so we didn't really get a, a hint of of what the actual you know what where, where we were heading to not you know not the place but where we were heading to and what the purpose of this story what the was going to be in the context of what the book's meant to be about. So I, I find it 
kind of it just meandered a little and, and it was just a, a, a very simple um, story of somebody going through an airport or, or, or an, an incident of somebody going yeah. through an airport that's not going to grab people I wouldn't have thought yeah. our feeling is that um, oh there you go you've got a fan there Mel love how Johnny always gets the crux of the problem and actually well, I think Tiffany's got a fan too um uh, Pamela Joe says, bingo, quotidian. Yes, I noticed that you, <laughs> you snuck that quotidian yes. in there, but I don't think we didn't notice. Uh, Tiffany wins the internet. You've just won the whole internet. I don't, I don't know if you'd want it, really. But um, So let's just put our, our thinking caps on, guys, because my instinct says that Sham's got a great platform. They're, they're very much used to, to going out and engaging with people, which is what, mm. you know, uh, publishers look for, really, in, in commercial mm. prospects. Um, they've, they've, they've lived, they've loved. There is this aspect of triumph through uh, adversity. Um, so there's some interesting, you know, ingredients here. What's our best advice, Tiffany? Uh, first, I did like the bio, and the, um, it's great that you have these contacts and pointed them out. Charm. Um, I think that the title is a little generic. I like it because it has impact, but I didn't understand it could be almost any genre and it could be about almost anything. You know what we need, Peter? We need a colon here with a subtitle. Yeah, we <laughs> and do. That would help us <laughs> every, yes, every title needs that, doesn't it? Oh, dear. Um, yeah. And I would find a key moment, like some the moment that you decided to take this trip and why, or the most impactful moment you had. Give us something that that shows us a turning point or a mm. choice point or something that was more engaging than just getting on the plane to go. I'm not sure starting chronologically is the best hook. It's no, not, it's not. So what we're we're talking about is I just wonder whether Sham just started writing, actually. Without any mm. any forethought and without any yeah, planning, um, so the first thing this is an like, early draft. You mean? Yeah, possibly. Actually, yeah, yeah. It, it, it feels yeah. like that. Um, so we're saying get get your material organised and take. You know, this is one of the great things books can do. They can take you on extraordinary journeys that you will never go on in any other way. They can allow you to live in in other people's shoes and just mm -hmm. see what life is like for them. And, you know, you can live many lifetimes through, through reading books. So make sure you're, you're putting this all up front and, you know, you're taking the reader by the hand and just showing us stuff that never in, in a million lives are we going to experience ourselves. I think that's, you've just got to focus on that. But I'm, I'm, I have an instinct. There is something really strong there. Let's look at the numbers. Yeah. You got a 53 so far. And... Uh, Knowing a little bit about you through your blurb, Sham, I guess that uh, you're not going to leave it there. You're going to keep going. As are we. Look at those cats. I don't know where they come from. <laughs> Sneaking everywhere, don't they? Last submission of the day from James. James Rigdon. It's just so hard. That's all right. What else are you going to do? What else are you going to do? How about that? Bada bing, bada bang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a bit surprised. Um, all right, this is James's blurb. No matter the differences in people's lives, we all share a common problem. We dislike change. Oh, yes, I know what you mean. Hamlet expressed this when he said it was, it was the fear of the unknown that, quote, makes us rather bear those ills we have than fly to others that we know not of. Yes. 
so that's it. I don't know that quote. It's a good quote. We are adverse to change, even while life makes us miserable. This book is about learning how to change that practice. About James. Um, I spent 12 years in professional politics, working with and running campaigns from local races in the Twin Cities, oh, hello, uh, to a statewide campaign in California, and even nationwide for Joe Biden in 2015. I trained literally thousands of staffers, interns and volunteers across the nation. I've also made plenty of lousy decisions uh, in my life due to due in no small part to my inability to realise the need for change, both in the way I view life and how I handle major events. That's where this book comes from. Three failed marriages. Oh, dear. Sorry about that. A lot of bad choices made. Oh, God. On the basis of fear of change. Yeah, I can identify with that. And a slew of other personal disasters all led me down this path for personal growth. And it's being read by a very up-and-coming young narrator of ours called Johnny. What else are you going to do? By James Rigdon. Read by John. I hope you're looking at this intro before purchasing, because it might make things a great deal easier on all of us. I'd really rather not have you getting upset after reading part of it and demanding your money back, or dropping a bad review because you think I've not been clear about what this is and what it isn't. First of all, if you're hoping for a book telling you that you're already a delightful little sunflower and that you don't need to change things about yourself, don't buy this book. This is about changing things in yourself and your life, and the first step to doing that is admitting that you aren't where and how you would like to be. Feeling good about yourself is a wonderful thing, and I encourage it, but only in the ways that will help you maintain those good features while you keep working on the others that need it. Acceptance doesn't mean sticking with the status quo. It means acknowledging how things are right now. Here's an example. At the time of writing this, I still haven't reached my goal of benching my body weight. I accept that fact, but I do not let that acceptance turn into, oh well, I'm only about £20 short of my goal. I'm good enough because I can still do all right at the gym. Instead, I use that as a measure to motivate myself to keep working on it, because I have a goal and I will keep working on it. Second, if you're looking for someone to tell you that you're better than other people, and that's what's important, don't buy this book. Self-improvement is about exactly that, working on yourself. Comparing yourself to others is a lazy method for validation, because there will always be others who are both better and worse than you are, which means you will forever be contradictorily guided into thinking whatever your mind wants to tell you on any particular day. Every day I go to the gym. I see people who can lift more, jog longer, or who are at a higher physical fitness than me. Just the same, I also see people who can't do as much as me. If I let myself focus on them, then I'm putting my energy where it doesn't belong, and that will not lead to any ultimate progress. Next, if you want a simple solution set to fixing your problems and expect that, by the end of reading this book, you will have all that you need to make your world what you want, well, you're not as far off as the previous two points, but still, don't buy this book. Progress in your life is an ongoing task. It's a journey, not a destination. And as long as you view it as the latter, you'll never be truly able to get to where you will need to be. Simple solutions only work with simple problems, and life is anything but a simple problem. Finally, 
If all you want to do is dismiss this as another self-help junkie and tell yourself that you don't need to change anything about yourself, damn it, why are you even thinking about it? Don't buy this book. Everyone's got their critics. Christ, I've got three exes and sets of in-laws who like me even less than the exes did. You think I don't already know criticism? And we don't need any more of that in our lives. Especially since we almost always turn out to be our own worst critics. Go and read some political commentary and act like you know everything about it, like most other outspoken Americans. So, if I've still got you on board after those critiques, here's what this book is intended to convey to you. It breaks down into five simple stages. And we have to uh, stop uh, there before we get into the five simple stages, unfortunately. Sorry about that, because I don't really know what they are. Uh, let's say the genii. They are talking about the cats still, of course, the fatal actually showing cats, isn't it? Uh, Mel says, oh, those cats are missing an apostrophe. And Claire says, the cats are wondering where the apostrophe is. Don't you know? Feline apostrophes don't exist. They've swallowed them. <laughs> dear, right, dear. Um, Vagabond says, disagree. Crave change. Hate stability. Interesting. Uh, Double Nose says, Matt. Blurb does his job, says Annie. <laughs> Title doesn't do it for me, says Mel. Um, blurb so true, says Claire. I react bad, badly to blurbs, so I assume they know what, I, what I'm like, says Vagabond. Oscar said, do you hate change? Um, LA, I like this so far. So it's kind of dividing people a bit. Matt says, I'm not sure this works as an opening, but I like it quite a bit. Um, opening doesn't pull any punches. It doesn't, does it? It's really, it is coming straight out fighting. Um, first line voice came across in a fun way that drew me in. Did it? That's interesting, Carol. It worked for you. I like the setup, says James, but some will not buy it after reading that opening. What did you think as you were narrating it, Johnny? Um, I thought out of all the submissions here we've had tonight, uh, hearing them all, um, <clears throat> this one's got a bit of voice to it. You know, it's got some writing voice to it. So it, it that can draw people in and you can see from the comments in the, gen uh, in the genius room that it divides people as well i find it okay it reminded me quite a bit of um in my in previous lives i've done sales training so it's the old sergeant major technique of is, you know break it? them down and them up again really yeah. uh you know so you're going to tell you what a piece of crap you are you know so yeah. as you can then build up you know once you're down at your lowest at your lowest ebb to build yourself up again i thought the voice was good i thought it was quite engaging from, from that point of view again though uh, and i'm sounding i'm sounding like i've got a bit of a uh, broken record here um i think that the kernel of this is to you know believe in yourself again and 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 do accept these things and i think so much of self there's so much of the self help market that i've read and heard and been exposed to because i've been exposed to quite a lot of it in my working life um boils down to that same thing you know be positive believe in yourself um and you'll get through mm -hmm. um i, I thought I, I thought the, the tone was here it was good of of all the books this is one i'd probably read i suspect um but it's not really my genre yeah and Annie says, I feel like I've heard all this before. Give us something new. And actually, yeah, it does. It reminds me of some of the business books, you know, in the back, way back in the, in the uh, distant past. Mm. Tom Peters. Tom Peters is thriving on chaos, didn't he? I, I remember know. Dale Carnegie. Yeah, well, I, I, that is going back a long way, actually. That <laughs> is. Well, <laughs> the first me about part that. of the 20th century. Somebody told me about that. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's uh, anecdotal, that one. Yeah. Um, thing is, uh, I. Keep my, I'm going to keep my thoughts myself for a moment. Um, not sure about this stuff, says Barbara, about buying the book. It would tempt me to say, well, fine, I won't buy it then. 
give people the option to say no, they will. It's like saying, don't buy it. It was indeed, <laughs> Tiffany, a confrontational tone our author has taken here. Is that a good idea yeah. or a risky strategy? Well, I noted that it felt a little combative to me. Um, I did like the tone. I liked the chattiness of it. I even liked the tone of the title, although I didn't know what it was going to be about. And then the blurb told me what it was going to be about, but I was sort of laughing because it said, we all hate change. Now, let me teach you how to change. And so (laughs) initially, I'm like, I just admitted that I hate that, so I don't want to do that. And then you tell me all the reasons why I shouldn't read your book. And now at this point, I may put it down (laughs) because by the time we get to what I really wanted to hear was those five, these five uh, prongs of approach that you have, I didn't, um, by that point, I might not have gotten that far. It went on for a long time telling me why not to buy it. Yeah. Um, I also... I also took a little issue, as somebody said in the genius room, that not everybody does fear change. And so you make this assumption that we do. And I don't know that that will resonate with everyone. And then um, you start, the other thing about the combative approach is it's, you're also, all of these prongs are things that people who like self-help, they're already probably in that mindset. We already know we're not a special sunflower that's perfect. We're reading self-help because we know that. And we already know not to expect miracles. And we know all of these things. So it felt to me like maybe not quite geared toward the audience likely to pick up this book. That is, I think you've absolutely put your, your finger on um, what potentially at the moment in, in its current incarnation, James, is a fatal flaw. Because if you go back to um, Tom Peters' book, Thriving on Chaos, I think it was, I think it was Thriving on Chaos, wasn't it? Something very similar to that. Um, it, didn't, it, it didn't scare people. It said, yeah, life is, you know, things are going to be chaotic. They're going to be even worse. But there's a way for you to thrive. And that was mm-hmm. kind, of, kind of encouraged me out of my shell a bit, you know. Mm-hmm. But this is just, I felt, I felt I was slapped in the face here. Actually, <laughs> you know, I changed it. You nasty little reader. You know, yeah. just, oh, okay. Sorry, have I disappointed you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a risky strategy inviting people not to buy buy your book because they'll say, okay, I won't buy it then. You know, so well, sell. that's the thing. It, it is that there is that as well. It just it leaves itself open for you know that kind of um, put down. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Let's just. Try to summarise. Oh, genius room, so so good today. It's so productive. My God, Matt just uh, said great point, Tiffany. The opening uh, paragraph is nice and voicey, but then it hits what we will get from the book. Um, slow, show change is good in a kind of loving, safe way, says Barbara. That's right, actually. The zeitgeist at the moment. Almost, I'm, is he just me? I need, I need, I need your collective wisdom on this, right? Because if I am turning into an old fart, I trust you to tell me, right? But so, it's too late. I'm there already. <laughs> well, you take on to no one. But it's just, I just think, actually, you know, everything, everything out there at the moment is horrible. You know, and, and you, you mm. read the news; it's all bad news. It's dreadful stuff happening to to people over which I have no control at all. And it is change, but it's pretty nasty change going on. So, do I need? What do I? What What does that? make me do i guess it makes me come come back in, into my little hermit crab shell is is publishing the right you know aware of that is publishing the right medium to be talking about change or is it i got a feeling actually that what a lot of us are doing at the moment is just reading comfortable things you mm. know going back a bit a few decades maybe more than that you know re- reading cozy crime for example yeah. what, do you, what do you think tiffany 
Well, I mean, as you point out, the world is changing. And and if we are feeling uncomfortable with that, the self-help that, and I read a lot of self-help, y'all, <laughs> the self-help that gets me most excited is when I open the book and right from the beginning, I see how I can fix my problem. Yes. And if the problem is I fear change, mm. then give me some reason to think that I that you're going to help me be more comfortable with that. Because as you said, Peter, that's mm. desperately what I want right now. So I do yeah. think there's there's some topicality here that could be very appealing. Yeah. But you have to you have to don't tell us why not to buy the book. Tell us yeah. why this book, while it may not fix everything, is gonna make our lives a little better and easier right now. Thank you. And uh Pamela says, you are a rector, Pete. This is an in-joke. Well, I uh, can't get any, any more old far than that. I expect Agatha Christie to drop in any day with some sparkling cyanide, no doubt. Thank you, guys. Um, anything further to say, Johnny? No, I would, I would agree with, that, with, what, with what Tiffany was saying, certainly. I, I think current society is very, con it's very combative and very confrontational, and I think is, that spills it? into so many things. Uh, you know, looking at politics yeah. is very polarised uh, oh, as God. opposed to, you know, there's, there seems to be no middle ground. You're either one thing or the other. Yeah. And there's a, a lot of bitterness has crept into it now as well. Not, not only just, you know, this mild disagreement is getting quite quite angry and quite nasty. And if you look at, you know, a lot of social media, it's going that yeah. way as well. And we live in a, you know, progressively more agitated, more bad-tempered, more opinionated world, and people aren't prepared to give and take. Well, quite we're so all much. living in our own bubbles, aren't we? And what, what the internet is doing is, is sort of feeding back our own views, prejudices and opinions to, our, to others, but we're not having that that strange sort of discourse with other people. We just sort of, no. we either avoid them or when we do have, have them, it sort of turns nasty, really. Yeah, it's so, terrible. Yeah. So let me, um, Lex has just said something. I'm going to try and quote that to you. Um, so this week we've learned that self-help books need to be written by yay, <laughs> have all of the genres, mention bodily effluvia, and tell you not to read them. See you next week. A very good summary. Perfect show. question. Perfect question. It totally is, actually, isn't it? Let's look, let's look at the final scorecard. And it looks to me that it doesn't often happen, actually, but our first submission of the day, Guide for Aging Heroes, he looks as if that is actually the winner this week. Am I right? Because I sometimes get, get my maths wrong. Yeah, but looks like it looks like the, it. Thank you, Johnny. The computer never lies, and it does mean yeah. that you, Randolph... <laughs> Voyage. I gotta buy tickets for it right now. You got a 63. That's pretty good. Um, what's even better than the 63, of course, is our panel. I want to say thank you very much, Johnny, for stepping in at the very last moment, covering Frandy. How about the Gremlins? Yeah, he, he made he made an appearance actually in the genius room, so he's okay. We we know that he's he's had a little bit oh, of medical, medical stuff. But he did come in to wave at everyone, and that was, that was very nice. Put our minds at rest a little bit. But thank you for covering. Um, and what can I say, Tiffany? Your second appearance, you just get more and more magnificent each time you appear <laughs> on pop-ups. What's your secret? I think I'm inspired by you. Oh, How's that for yeah. sucking up? You like That's that? That's amazing. You know what? Because you said <laughs> that. You. One more time. <laughs> oh, yes. It's free, guys. It's the magic F word. It's free. And with that, I think we're going to say good night. God bless. Thanks for joining us. And do it again next week. Hit it.
Are you ready? ready, ready. 